Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live. This show accepts where you're at and helps you get where you want to go. Are you ready to make a difference? This show helps you step into your what's next with intention and integrity. It's time to be creative on purpose. This season is called Dialogue to Make a Difference, and my guests are leaders engaging in transformative discourse, discussions that shun the status quo and embrace possibility. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Endeavor, founder of Creative on Purpose. You can learn more about me and my work at thecreativeonpurpose.com. Let's meet today's guest. Rob Rubel, welcome to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where we can connect with you to learn more. Scott, uh, good morning, and thank you. Well, it's morning here in Colorado Springs, so I know it's East Coast uh, a little bit later, but thank you for having me on this morning. Uh, like I said, my name is Rob Rubel. My day job, I'm an investment planner, financial planner. Uh, we help people kind of long-range planning. Uh, my creative endeavors are focused on books and writing, and it overlaps quite a bit with the other work that I do, but mainly because I have my middle daughter has Down syndrome. And from her birth, I had to start to look at how was life going to be different for me as a parent, for my uh, her siblings, and for my career to some degree as well. It took me a long time to get to the point where um, I feel like I had something I could really say and help make a difference in people's lives. I do think the work that we do in financial planning, if we do it right, fits exactly what your mission statement is for Creative on Purpose, which is, uh, and for this series of broadcasts, how do we make a difference in people's lives? How do we engage in personal transformation and how do both uh, me and my clients and also people I speak with appreciate and understand both where they were coming from and then where they get to over time. And so we get excited watching that personal transformation. But my creative work around the books and, um, and speaking has both been rewarding for me as I've learned new skills and uh, hopefully rewarding to some degree for people that listen to me or read my books as well. So that's good. Uh, I know you wanted me to let people know where they could find me. Uh, my last name and my spelling isn't so easy, so I'll spell it out. It's at robrubel.com, R-O-B-W-R-U-B-E-L. And so I have a website there. I'd love anybody who's interested in getting on LinkedIn with me. Feel free to connect there. Um, I don't have a Facebook page really that I use much, and my books are on Amazon. So Fantastic. Well, so th it, this is interesting. You're the the second or third person that's kind of in the world of finance that that's been on the broadcast, but it's it's uh, an area that I at least did not kind of immediately associate with creativity. But I've come to appreciate and learn not only the um, the, the value of the, the work that you're doing, but also how how fully invested it is in employing your creative capacity and that you're collaborating or joining that work to the work that you're doing in special needs, I think is just um, really fascinating and, and sounds really impactful and, and powerful. And I, I love the way that you talked about what you do is helping transform people. And you actually indicated it's kind of like a journey that you're helping identify pe where people are and helping them get to where they want to get. So I would love to start with just how, what's your process for trying to help people kind of who may not really be fully aware, identify kind of where they're at and where they want to be. Yeah. In, in journey, it's interesting when I first started writing and thinking about what my process is going to be, how is it going to help? I was using the idea of a path or a journey. I think my first marketing materials had a nice set of trees with a path behind it. 
because it really is a journey on some level. Um, nobody really got it. It wasn't, it wasn't that exciting a metaphor as I was using it. And so I switched to the to one of building a house. Um, and I'll, I can explain that a little bit later. Um, and what I realized in, in the work that I do, and, and I was speaking with somebody in my office yesterday who said, you know, probably a third or half of our work is, uh, is psycho psychological work. We should probably all have uh, masters in social work kind of thing. Um, but we don't. And, and again, this is not with the writing and the other creative part of it, but how do we impact people's lives and how do we do it? And for me, when I meet with people, when I, it starts with a blank piece of paper. I mean, it's really that simple because we all have this where we've come from part. And again, I have that as a, as a creative person as well. And to some degree, what we're trying to do is what's that inflection point? How do we get people to move from what they've been doing to what they're doing next? And that's where the journey really begins when they sit down for the first time and write down what do they want out of life a little bit or what do they want out of their life for their family member with special needs. And, um, what we see is they don't realize that the journey that they've been on and the skills they've learned, the habits they've developed until two, three, four, five years later. We help them look back a little bit too. So I know it is the, the technical part of what we do is necessary and, and some days it can just be done online and some days it can be done with an 800 number. But the value, I think, and the interesting work that we do, and maybe why you're starting to see it, is that I think our industry is finally starting to change and say we are about transformations. Some of them are financial, but really at the end of the day, it's personal transformation. So, mm. Yeah, well, so one of the things that we got connected through a mutual acquaintance, Kimberly Sherwood, who I think Kimberly and I are associated through um, – I know we're associated through one of Seth Godin's programs. I can't remember if it's the Alt MBA or the, the marketing seminar, perhaps both. But in the marketing seminar where um, I'm currently employed right now, we talk a lot about the story of money and the story behind price. And I'm guessing that the people that you are colliding with in your work and the people that you, with whom you are kind of taking by the hand and and, and helping them with their journey to where they want to get involves a fair amount of storytelling. Um, just out of curiosity, what, what what do you think are the the common the common misconceptions that we have about money or our relationship with money? And what's what what are the better stories that we could perhaps be telling ourselves about our relationship with money? It's a really good question, and it, it is the storytelling that it, the storytelling that I love about my job. Just hearing, uh, again, I live in Colorado, I'm from New Jersey, so I hear both, uh, I grew up on a farm, we didn't have any money kind of stories, to the, hey, the farm now has oil rights and we now have a lot of money story. Um, but stories around money, it's funny, I thought we were gonna talk about the creative process, but I'm happy to talk about this too, is, um, is there are stories of fear that we see a lot. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad never had enough. Um, and if they talked about it, they only talked about it in terms of not having enough as opposed to, uh, again, let's take that inflection point and figure out how can we feel like we actually are where we want to go. So I always say the biggest thing we've done when somebody leaves is we've taken their shoulders from like this when they're nervous coming in talking about their money story to feeling relaxed and comfortable about where they're going to be going with it. And of course, there are other people that have very good money stories. That, that if a, somebody talked to yesterday's dad said, day one, when you work, 15% goes to your retirement plan. And guess what? At age 50, he's kind of been kind of done if he wanted to be done. 
And so money becomes a much smaller part of the story and what I can do in life and who I can become and how I can create meaning starts to become a much bigger part of, of his story. So it is, uh, it is interesting. Interesting. Um, we, you were talking about um, the difficulty that you had with trying to frame your, your, or position yourself around this idea of a journey and that you're using the, the building metaphor, which I think is a, another great metaphor. I, I use both journey and, and the, the idea of building yourself on the ground up type of thing, or, you know, life is a construction project. Um, I'm wondering if when you're talking about taking people from where they are to where they want to be, what's, what are your thoughts about defining the destination? Is it is it something that you want to project way off in the future? Is it something that you want to be very, very fixed and specific and kind of uh, something that you're going to grind your way to no matter what what happens? Or is it, um, and the, one of my new favorite words is, is cottywomple, which is a rambling journey to a, a yet-to-be-determined destination or, or a, a, a purposeful journey towards a yet-to-be-determined destination. Yeah, I'm going to start to use that. I like that as well. Uh, you know, in the in the work that we're talking about here around special needs planning, there's some there are some paths you have to go down. There's some road marks you have to just go, 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 go to, no matter what. And that's why I switched over to building a house because um, building a house is about creating vision, and then some of the elements like a foundation and the structures they just have to be there. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the journey is up to you. Have what kind of finishes, bookcases, paintings, all that kind of stuff do you want to have on there? And that stuff's all going to change and frankly you can move over time too. So it's never a perfect one. So there um and it's like writing a book for me too. There's some things that just have to happen. You just have to sometimes sit down and write and you just have to do a certain degree of research every now and then. And it's unknown where that's going to go at the end of the day once you jump into it a little bit. And so I do like to workshop my my work um, as I'm writing it because I'll get feedback that way. And sometimes where I thought I was going is going to change. And I've, I'm not one of those people, can, and I've met, met hardly anybody that says, here's where I want to go. And then click, 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 they're there. Although I've heard there are people like that. Um, so that journey is also not as interesting to me because it's about the learning we get along the way. Yeah, that's interesting. I think the people that you're referring to are the ones that have gotten somewhere and then reverse engineered their story so okay. that it looks like <laughs> they purposefully and, and intentionally took every step. Um, yeah. I would love to talk a little bit about the other piece of your work. And, and I know your books deal specifically with kind of finance around the, the, the special needs of families with special needs. Um, and so I imagine that there's um, some some storytelling and and, and some uh, interpretation and framing that goes around that piece too. Uh, can you just unpack a little bit of that for us? Uh, uh, on the creative side of it or on the... Um... Well, it's all, I think... I define creativity very loosely. So it's it's the idea of bringing something into the world that didn't heretofore exist. And meeting you is the first time I've kind of heard, well, you're one of the the, the, the first people on the broadcast at least that is that is has that niche as a as part of the the population, the audience that you're serving. So I think that's really fascinating. Um, and I think 
you know, there's still for those for those of us that are not working with or you know coming into day-to-day contact with people other people with special needs or families with people with special needs it can be um it can be challenging to know what to do you know when that collision does occur so uh you know when i grew up there anybody who had a developmental disability or any kind of uh, you know, different issue was in a different classroom than everybody mm-hmm. else. So there was a high degree of what we now call segregation. Now there's a much higher degree of integration. So I didn't really know anybody. I didn't have any family members with autism or Down syndrome. Um, and, and none of my friends did either. So I kind of call it an invisible world. And when my daughter was born, it was the first day I knew she was going to have Down syndrome. And she had some significant health issues at the time. So I had to make a really quick pivot. Um, I think it was easier because I wasn't sure if her health was going to mean she left the hospital or not. Oh, wow. And then when she did, it was, it was just, we were so happy that she was with us. And what I was amazed at within, frankly, hours of uh, finding everything out was how many people actually had uh, family members, experience, work histories, or whatever it happened to be with people with developmental disabilities. And I was in that, I, I was in the majority, but it was all of a sudden this big new world. And so I see even with the people that I work with, and what I heard those first six months is I wouldn't have changed a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I meet people who have uh, family members with significant developmental disabilities who are also blind and in some cases in wheelchairs. And their lives are enriched in ways that most people would say, I don't want that particular version of enrichment. Um, and yet I have not met a person that said I would have gone back and had anything different in my life because of that transformative piece of what they've learned about themselves, about the world around them. Um, my, new, my talks now are starting to focus more on this concept of highest quality of life for life, for our family members with developmental disabilities. That's the way the world is moving. But as I talk about it and prepare to talk to groups of uh, people that may not have that experience and exposure, it's not just about the highest quality of life for that person like my daughter. It's by bringing a person like my daughter into the, into the rest of the world, into the local coffee shop and the YMCA and maybe employment areas, everybody's life is richer. They just don't kind of know it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of what the story I hear a lot now from people is um, we're try, you know, our, our lives are what they are, and they've been very, very interesting in many different ways. Yeah, they would have been different, but... If they didn't have, you know, your father, if you didn't have kids, your life would be different anyway, right? In, in ways you, you wouldn't understand or know why people didn't want to have kids. And so it's the same with uh, many, many people in, in the world I work in. Yeah, really, really interesting. I, when you were talking about the the stories that you hear of people saying they wouldn't have it any other way, it's, it's uh, a real trademark of the growth mindset. I mean, uh, there's a TED Talk out there about um, the, uh, is it Peter Best or, uh, the, the, the lost beetle? Yeah. So, you know, he, he would have it. No, you know, he, he has no regrets about leaving the Beatles, you know, whatsoever right. his life, you know, is all the richer for having not been part of, you know, the biggest rock and roll act of all time. Um, to look at him and say, what were you thinking? Yeah. He had his own life. So, yeah. Well, and, and it speaks to the idea that your life is always kind of what you are, what, what you are making of it. Now you, you talked about, use the, the, the um, phrase at one point early on about like the next step. And I think that's always where 
it's the only time that we ever have any real control or agency is when we decide what our perspective is going to be about a situation. And then when we decide what action we're going to take in the here and now, knowing that we don't ultimately have much control over how it turns out. We certainly have no control over what's happened in the past. Um, and you mentioned uh, another word that I, I really uh, liked, which was pivot. You know, you, you kind of, you have your expectations and you have your dreams and desires, and then th something happens that makes it necessary for you to pivot, to go in, in a different direction or to lean in a different direction. Um, when you're doing something like that, uh, and, you know, now we're talking about creativity just as in the art of living, right? And the art of hopefully the art of living well and promoting, the, you know, your own happiness and health as well as that of others. What do you think were the things that were really important for you as you were contemplating your pivot and deciding what direction and, and what that you needed to, to go in next? That's a really good question. Um, part of it is I'm a, and I think it's probably true of many of your audience. I feel compelled to do something at all times. Um, I'm not very good at sitting back and relaxing. And so part of it might just be, you know, I'm wired a little bit. I, I think there is a piece to that. But I think the other piece is um, I've been involved in organizations and I've seen people who've really chosen to make a difference through the work that they do. and and whether it was the way I was raised, I do give a lot of credit to my parents on that, or the people I've always been around, the desire to do something more has always been there. And then uh, there's just that little bit of experience, like you said, do you set on a path and you follow the same path or um, you find something new as it comes along. And so at different times in my life, it feels like different things have grabbed me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they've met for me, and, and I've been a little bit deliberate about it as well, which choices I've made, but have they, met, have they met what I need, something that's intellectually stimulating, uh, something that's going to give me, um, in some cases, the ability to create a career, something that I can uh, understand reasonably well. Like, I'm sort of interested in how the brain works, but I'm never going to be a neuroscientist <laughs> because I'm just, I don't want to do the uh, memorization of all the chemistry that's involved. Right. So it has to fit kind of where I've gotten so far. And that's where I think, you know, so I like people who are considering pivots or grabbing a pivot, pivot to stop for a second and say, all right, have they gotten here? And for me, my pivots, you know, pivot we think is an instantaneous thing, but um, it, it takes time, sometimes months and months or years and years for that pivot to, to even show itself well is kind of my take on it. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like what you were saying about, I mean, really, you're talking about kind of the way you're built or the way that you were raised. And so that's where we're really talking about values. You know, what are the guiding principles by which we, you know, lead our life. And I think that I've been thinking a lot about the pivot recently, because I think um, for some, it's a lost art that's in very high demand right now as you know, the world is changing so fast and everybody is up in arms about what AI is going to do to employment and occupation. And, um, you know, there, there will be more and more people that are forced to take a pivot in one way, shape or form. Um, and life has always had a way of, of, you know, dealing us, um, a situation or circumstance where we have to, to course correct. 
Um, and I think values really are the, 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 the key element there. You have to, to make your next step it has to be taken not just with deliberation and intention, but it has to align with who you are and what you believe. Um, that people, integrity. People talk a lot about passion these days. And, <laughs> and I know it's probably overused in many, many ways, but on that pivot, you also have to be somewhat excited about where you're headed with it too. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be your life's passion necessarily because all of a sudden a year later after doing something, you might just love it in ways you never knew, but yeah, it all goes into it a little bit. Now I used to be in publishing. So, I mean, this is not, I haven't been one of those people that was a finance major in college and went right into the industry. I, uh, I was actually a Chinese history and religion major. In college. Oh, wow. And so I've made several pivots along the way and none of them seemed necessarily obvious at the time. Um, but whether it's values, intellect, interest, whatever those things that captured me that led me to have enough excitement to stay with it mm -hmm. um, is uh, is that pivot a little bit. And I don't, I'm not a big futurist kind of person. I can only think about what I'm doing today and hopefully other people are, but, um, and sometimes we have to be dragged into it. I mean, a lot of our clients have to be dragged into the pivots that we make them do and, um, and are better for it sometimes as a result. They may not like us along the way. And I'm sure you're your clientele, I'm sure plenty of people listening have that same experience. I didn't really think I wanted to do something. Like writing a book, you've written books too. It's not the most exciting thing in the world to sit down in front of a blank computer screen. Um, and yet somehow we do it. And that mm -hmm. it, that is a little piece of why that future and why those goals matter so much because it it's, keeps us in our seats typing away instead of, you know, doing the easy thing, which for me would go for a hike because I live in, you know, in beautiful country out here. So yeah yeah the passion piece is 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 uh one of my i don't like the term pet peeve but it's it's something i think a lot about because um it's there are there's a certain uh there's a perilous quality to being passion driven the first is that most studies show that less than 20 percent of people can identify their passion which means that 80% of the world is shamed into, yeah. you know, not, not having a passion. Um, and then the other is that if, if, you know, you're, you're diving, if, if you're relying on passion to drive you through all of the challenges, misfortunes, vicissitudes, obstacles that you're going to face in any endeavor, especially a creative one, um, passion is going to run out way before you reach the finish line. And that's for me, and I think, you know, purpose can, can sometimes have the same um, qualities it, it, instead of just relying on I, or trying to identify your passion or your purpose and then leverage that. You can so often find those things through whatever work you happen to have thrust upon you. If you are doing that work with intention and integrity, purpose and passion will oftentimes become uh, just naturally occurring consequences of that work. Um, as we're getting towards the end of our conversation, I would love to just, as you were talking about your desire to just want to do something to, you know, to, to, to be a helper, to do, uh, I think that's a, a really important quality that really we all have. We are kind of inherently social beings it's a, an evolutionary imperative that and we cannot survive without others so we have lots of um 
lots of what it means to be human is built around what does it mean to be around other humans. And you talked about this impulse to do something. And to me, that speaks to the movement from empathy to compassion. There's an effort. The effort of empathy is, is the willingness and the ability to put yourself into somebody else's shoes and to see the world through their eyes and um, to feel things from their perspective. But compassion is the action where you're actually going to do something to enhance the life, the, the life of another person. Um, so I would just love to hear your thoughts on, you know, if there, if you see, see that in your work or if, if, the, if there's anything that you do to kind of leverage those ideas. Yeah. The, uh, when I talk, I know the empathy piece comes out automatically. It's one of the comments I get because we always ask people to do comment things. Of because I live the the world, it's very easy for mm-hmm. people to feel that it's empathy. But em- but empathy ends at some point too, and I think it's it's important. And I can't live in everybody else's shoes. Everybody's got a different world, um, and so I, I I guess I haven't thought about compassion so much. But there's an emotional component to it, not that. That adds up for people of uh, um, they they need to feel something from me as a speaker or my books if they want me to be able to help them in any way. And I guess that's what compassion might be that sense that we connected across a, a little bit of a personal chasm that we have two different people who don't have an immediate connection, except for maybe a family member with a developmental disability or, or whatever. Um, but in hopefully in the work I do, even though I'm not there all the time, there's some feeling of that personal connection. And, and I, so I try in some level to tell my story without just being, this is my story, listen to it and follow me exactly. But as a way maybe to connect with people. And maybe that's what you're, you're getting at too. Is um, It's what makes life interesting is these new connections. Like speaking to you today, this wasn't on my radar until Kimberly and I sat down. And, um, and I had no idea how we we're going to go, but you know, there's clearly, even though we do very different things, um, I, it's, we're having a great conversation, but how do people connect with each other after they've made some motivational change on their own end? And it's, uh, it's like, makes it, it's interesting. I got divorced I don't know, six or seven years ago and I was listening, I think it was the band and there's, oh, you're a musician, right? So I don't you probably like the band, but there's a line in it that life is a carnival. Yeah. It's that was my mantra for about a year or so. And carnivals are a little bit scary at times, especially if you're kids, but they're also exciting. And yeah, sometimes you have no money left and you're on a sugar high or whatever it is. You never know what's going to happen. But it's these sort of moment to moment to moment experiences, sometimes just with the lights and sometimes with the other people. And um, and so it is that feeling of like excitement and connection and a little bit of danger maybe um, that goes into the work and goes into these conversations. and and. And there's always a little bit of danger, I suppose, when we're making a shift somehow. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, what a great what what a great um, sequence to to end on. I love uh, "Life Is a Carnival" is a song that I really love, and it's it's a reference I make really often. And for me, it's a reminder that if you're if you're in, in, kind of in, engaging your curiosity and embracing your courage any situation that you find yourself in can, can become a carnival. Um, it's, it's, it's again, really all a matter of perspective. Rob, this has been a fantastic conversation. I want to end with a question that I've been 
uh, ending every episode of this season. If you could plant one idea or concept into the minds of everyone who dreams of making a difference through compelling conversations or storytelling or creative work, what would it be? I've been using a, an equation, which sounds, I know I'm, a, I'm not really a finance guy, but I'm a financial person, so it makes a little bit of sense. Um, and it used to be focused on excellence, but my equation now is excellence plus output equals impact. Oh, and impact wow. is the role we want to have. And obviously we have to be good at what we do and we want to strive to be great at what we do all the time. Um, but it's that, uh, it's the connection piece, the output, whether that's books, talking to people, just one-on-one, -on -one, whatever it is, um, marketing, all those different things that go into it. Without that, we can't create impact. Otherwise, we're just working in our, you know, on our computers, on our couch, or whatever it happens to be. So that's, that's my one idea. I don't know if that's the best idea or not, um, but it helps me kind of consider how my uh, meaningful work will hopefully add up. I love it. It's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Rob. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Rob Rubel and I appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention today. We hope that today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. And we want you to make sure that you go visit Rob where he lives online to learn more. One more time, Rob, where, where would that be? Yep, it's at robrubel.com, R-O-B-W-R-U-B-E-L.com. Thanks. Fantastic. And of course, it's always great to see you at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Now, go out and make a difference and keep flying higher. Rob Rubel, thanks so much for your time and being here today. Thanks. Have a great day.